Good evening and welcome to a week five edition of Rams All Access with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. This is one of those weeks where I know an hour is not going to be enough <laughs> to get to everything I want to talk about with you. Uh, in this edition, we will talk about Jared Goff for an entire segment because I think he's worthy of it. Uh, right now, an MVP caliber season coming off of back-to-back career performances. We will go with four down territory and get the latest on what's going on with the Seattle Seahawks there at two and two. And then we'll also hear from uh, John Franklin Myers, who had the game-clinching strip sack against the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, let's get started. The Rams are 4-0 at the quarter pole. They are atop the division comfortably. DeMarco, I've decided that I'm going to ask the same question every week as long as this continues. As long as the Rams are undefeated, my question to start this show for you is going to be, is this the week the Rams come back to earth? Uh, well, it could be. I mean, you, you have to go up to Seattle. Strange things happen in Seattle. Um, good fortune gets lost up there because of the crowd noise and everything you have to deal with. So uh, I, I see where you're going, but I would say no. If, if Seattle was the Seattle of the past, if they still had Earl Thomas, if they still had Marshawn Lynch, that whole group, uh, then things might be different. So I, I think this current Rams group, can travel. I think they're playing their best football right now, or at least moving into it. So, uh, I think Earth is uh, is pretty far away right now. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to play the the role of wet blanket here. No, I'm no. not predicting or forecasting a loss in Seattle. I just, having done my homework, can't see how it happens. Even though they still have Pete Carroll and the Twelves and Russell Wilson and some elite players on defense. Position group by position group, uh, given what the Rams have done on both sides of the football. Look, you never see these coming, right? I mean, that's why this league is so amazing is because it humbles you, unless you're the Dolphins. (laughs) Right. It it humbles you every year, and you never know why or when. And so what would the why be? Like, if it were to happen this week, next week, at part of this three-game road trip, why? Well, this would be the perfect opponent because of how Pete Carroll chooses to win football games. He does it through taking the ball away, and running the ball. So I take it away from your offense, and then I run it to take time off the clock. So if you get caught in that never-ending cycle of you put the ball on the ground, Jared Goff throws picks, or you go three and out, you're just not playing your best game, and then all of a sudden Pete Carroll gets going on his side with the running game and is taking the ball away or at least getting off the field, now you're in a dogfight, and it's loud up there. They feed off that crowd noise. So if you play a Seahawk-type game in their own environment, you won't win. One of the things I want to get into on this edition of Rams All Access, are the Seahawks better than 2-2 two and two because of the road-heavy schedule they've played so far? Or are they not as good as 2-2 two and two looks in the standings because of all the issues, including the injury to the future Hall of Famer Earl Thomas coming into uh, this week? But let's go early inside the numbers here because the Rams leave California for the first time this week. Uh, the history of three straight road games in an NFL schedule is not good. It's something the Rams are going to do again, although not technically you know, late in November, early December, because there's a bye week mixed in and the Mexico City game is, is a home game. Um, but teams don't often, like one-third of the time, come away with a winning record when they play three straight on the road. The Saints and the Rams are two of the teams that are going to do it this year. But DeMarco, the Rams were historically good away from the Coliseum last year. Why was that, and does this group have the same characteristic? I don't think they allow distractions. I don't think they allow for excuses. It doesn't matter where you play. Uh, They have a plan for everything. They make it so easy on the players and the coaches. I mean, just everything. They can travel their training room. They travel their their, their strength and conditioning. They don't leave anything off the plane when they travel to certain areas. So all you have to do is... 
get ready mentally and physically to play your best game because you don't need or want for anything on the road. That's a credit to the coaching staff and to the franchise. So, And I think good offense travels anywhere. It doesn't matter where you play. When you can score 30 to 40 points a game, I think you can do it just about anywhere. Between 1990 and 2017, there have been 138 instances where an NFL team has had to play three straight road games. And of those 138 uh, the visiting team came away with a winning record, so 3-0 or 2-1, only 35% of the time. So not good news for the Rams in terms of remaining impeccable, but the way they're playing right now, the consensus number 1 team in the National Football League. I, I used to love it, and I hate doing this uh, because the natural comparisons are there between this team and the 99 Rams 2001 mm-hmm. team. But I remember it was the, the big thing going around was dome teams can't win Super Bowls. Dumb? Dome teams. Dome teams. Teams that play indoors can't win Super Bowls. Well, what happens if the playoffs and the Super Bowl is indoors? It can't happen. So, look, it's it's always shocking when you look at numbers until it happens, until you break those molds. And I think this team is good enough to beat anybody just about anywhere. It doesn't matter where you play or when you play. This team is really, really good at rallying the horses or rallying the wagons and getting ready to play in any sort of environment. Do you remember the the sensation, the feeling, the emotions when the Rams smashed the Seahawks last year, forty two to seven? They handed Pete Carroll the most humbling defeat of his tenure with the Seattle Seahawks, and even though the division wasn't clinched that day, it felt inevitable, and it felt like the torch, the NFC West torch, had been taken away from the Legion of Boom. Absolutely, you know, I've seen the Seahawks walk off in defeat or at least a tie. So the players themselves, I've seen that before, but to see that crowd quieted. And then to see that crowd turn and leave early. And to see the number one heckler in the league. You know that guy that sits right in the corner of right where you're coming out. In the Not business. as well as you know him, but uh, yes. Right there. I mean, to see that guy humbled and to say, great game Rams. To see that come out, to hear that come out of that guy's mouth, that's a butt kicking. So you not only humbled the Seahawks players, you humbled their crowd too. A couple of quick news and notes. The Rams made a change at kicker this week. There's a chance we could see Greg Zerline return to the field, interestingly enough, at CenturyLink where his back problems really flared up and has led to this stretch where he's had a, a lot of injury issues. Uh, Cairo Santos gets the call. He replaces Sam Ficken. Uh, do you think that move makes sense at this point in the year with the Rams undefeated but having trouble in the kicking game? I'm a little disappointed for Sam Ficken. I, I thought he had an opportunity to at least keep the seat warm for Greg Zerline, and then, okay, you had some misses, and now they've got to make a move. So it's the next man up. So if you get in those situations, especially if it's what you consider a chip a chip shot, I guess we're a little spoiled with Zerline because the guy can boot it from so far, but... From field goals we think you should make, you just have to hit them. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to see it happen, but I like it in this regard. The standard, the bar for this franchise is so high right now that I, I don't think you can tolerate shortcomings like that for an extended period of time, even if he is just a placeholder, Yeah, the kicker, because it sends uh, an unfair message to every other position group on the football team, which is achieving at a really high level. No doubt. You've got to do your job, and if you don't, then you have to get the next guy in. Yeah. The other big uh, news item this week, Dom Easley, uh, under the knife again, unfortunately, uh, back on IR. If that may be the last time we see Dom in the National Football League. I hope that's not true, but he's done with the Rams for 2018. I would bet you see him on the sideline at some point. Really? Oh, screaming on and, and cheering on his guys. He is a member of this squad. He is the thumper of the squad. I bet he's going to be back on the sideline soon. We'll talk a little bit about how the Rams can enhance their edge presence as this edition of Rams All Access continues. But next, he deserves an entire segment. Jared Goff and why his head coach says 
He's a baller on the other side. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. He's, he's a baller, man, and he's just got a good feel for the game, and that's one of the things that stood out uh, when you get around him. You know, certain guys that just have those good instincts and awareness, you know, and, and I think you're starting to see the confidence, uh, how comfortable he is and what he's trying to get done, the trust that he has in the playmakers around him. And, um, you know, he, he's a special – he's got a special ability to consistently hit spots, whether he's on the move, whether he's in the pocket. You look at some of his throws when he's getting flushed to his right, flushed to his left. I'd be honest, I thought he was throwing the one touchdown to Cooper Cup away. I mean, he dropped that in the back corner. And if you look at when he let that go with where Cooper was in regards to the DBs, and I mean, that's a great throw, man. I mean, you, you, you just can't say anything, but wow, what a play, man. You know, and, and, and it seemed like you were saying that to him a lot the other night, and uh, he was feeling it, and, and uh, you know, that, that was fun to watch and be a part of, and, and he did a great job. That was the head coach from Monday night at Cal Lutheran, back on Rams All Access to Marco Farr, J.B. Long. Uh, he is really confident in his QB1 right now, and number 16 is playing at an MVP level through four weeks. I th- and I think you can say that with a straight face. Really. I mean, if you watch all the elite quarterbacks right now, you'd have to say Jared Goff has had the best opening quarter of a season than than anyone else in the league. And when I see him throw passes like that, like the coach explained, and I love when I hear a coach get excited about a player. It's not just ho-hum. He's excited just like we are, but, I mean, that's Aaron Rodgers-esque. When you can put it on the money, on the move like that consistently, that helps your receivers, it helps your offense, and it also breaks the back of the defense. We are right there, and he's still making plays. I, I can't hear the coach anymore on, on the defensive side. We're doing everything you ask, and he's still making plays. It just breaks your back. Two games ago, DeMarco, it was system quarterback week. Mm -hmm. Since then, there have been multiple articles written about the potential to trade someone like Jared Goff and rebuild the model based on a rookie quarterback on an inexpensive deal, allowing you to spend salary cap money the way that the Rams have while they have Jared Goff uh, at this point in his career. Now, the Rams All-Access poll question for this week, are you all in on Jared Goff as a franchise quarterback? An overwhelming 94% of over 400 respondents said yes, absolutely. Only 6% said no. That is quite a spike in two weeks. I, I see where they're going, and we talked about this, the NFL model. If you can replace your quarterback every four years and spend elsewhere, you'll have a pretty good team. Except if you have that guy. And it seems like you're heading in that direction of having that guy at quarterback. You keep playing like this, man. You are the face of the franchise. Number one PFF ranking after four weeks, he takes over the top spot. If the season ended today, I think he's the MVP or at worst the runner-up to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He threw for 465 and five scores against a really good Vikings defense. He's gone from 0-7 and a number one overall pick bust, according to some, to now the first in NFL history with three straight games of 350-plus passing and 75% complete. Well, I, look, he's everybody should get a raise. Your head coach, your offensive line coach, Jared Goff, I mean, Everyone is playing at a high level, and it's because of him. and it's not just the the throws he's making. I like how he's attacking the defense, even if it's not there. He'll find a way to pull it down and scramble and pick up yards. Or if it's not there again, throw it to the sideline, live to fight another day. He's just not making that many mistakes with the football. You talk about attacking. He's not just checking down. He's not just playing a system. Six of six the other night, Thursday night, for two twenty six and four scores, throwing at least fifteen yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Now a couple of elements there wonderfully designed scheme next level iq 
receivers on the receiving end. But how about the offensive line play and the time it takes for those to de- develop? I mean, they have been the best unit in the NFL. No doubt. I mean, you have so much to worry about defensively. You have to worry about screens. You have to worry about Todd Gurley just running the football traditionally at you that sometimes you get stuck watching the paint dry and then Jared Goff is 10, 12 yards away from you and you can't get to him. And now you've hung your defenders out to dry and Robert Woods. Look, if you give Brandon Cooks just a little bit of an advantage, it's unfair. And if you sleep on Cooper Cup, you see what happens. So if you can't find a way to cinch up coverage and get pressure on Goff, I don't think you have a shot to slow them down, let alone stop them. If I'm playing kind of the devil's advocate role, I would say, but when does he get hit? And what does he look like when he's got traffic you know, in his, in his office? When does he get tested in the fourth quarter? Like Mahomes did, Monday Night Football, where the chips are down, you're on the road, can you lead a comeback effort? I mean, that's the only thing besides postseason success missing from his resume early in year three, DeMarco. Yeah, I mean, look, at some point it's going to happen, and you have to go back to January in the postseason. Maybe you, you wanted Jared Goff to take a step beyond what he's been, but I think he learned from that, that experience made him grow. I think that's why you're seeing the cold-hearted assassin that you're seeing this year out of him. Mm-hmm. I only have one opportunity per play to make something happen, and I'm not going to wait on you. So it, it turns out, it looks like he's heartless, but that's what you want as a quarterback. I don't care if the guy is feeling, I don't care how Anthony Barr feels about getting beat for the third time. That's not my problem. My problem is getting my team in the end zone. Uh, he is averaging more than 0.4 points per drop back this season. I mean, every time he drops back to throw, it's worth almost a half a point yeah. at the rate that he's going, even without a Super Bowl ring, even without the career resume that his counterpart, Russell Wilson, uh, has this week. Would anyone take Russell Wilson right now over Jared Goff? Ooh, tough. Um, especially after the last two weeks. Maybe to begin the season you might make that switch, but right now, no. Because I think his ceiling might be higher. I really do. I think there's so much more you can do with Jared Goff in this offense than you can ever do with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And if you go with Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks have done this very well, you're committing to a certain style and a brand of offense that is a bit erratic at times. I mean, he takes his sacks because of the way he plays, the way he spins out of the pocket, the way he creates off-schedule. But if you're as good on schedule as McVay and the Rams are, I'm not sure that you would want a Russell Wilson necessarily. You want someone like Jared Goff, who's tall, who stands in the pocket, who delivers on time, on target, and can do enough off schedule in and out of the pocket to make plays like the one that you talked no about doubt. Cooper Cup. That's why pro-style quarterbacks usually go higher in the draft, because your playbook is infinitely thicker than any sort of dual-threat quarterback. I mean, there's always... A dual threat problem when you have a quarterback that can pull it down and run or run the read option. There's always an issue defensively, but when you see quarterbacks like this that get protection, that have backup in Todd Gurley, that can pace the offense and open up play action, and you have a guy that's this accurate, you win Super Bowls with this. I know I said this was a Jared Goff-only segment, but we started with McVay, and I want to transition back to him because he's hand-in-hand with Jared in this effort, and I really like what I read from Michael Lombardi in The Athletic this week. The number one trait a tremendous offensive mind must possess is the ability to know the opponent's defensive rules and adjustments because defensive football is all about rules and adjustments. 
After McVay understands all their concepts and rules, he modifies his offensive play design to specifically attack his opponents. The Rams don't run new plays. They run their same plays in different ways specific to their opponents. Yes, that reminds me of Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce going to Mike Martz and telling him this is what they're doing and this is what we should do and then going out in the next series and doing it. I mean, it's just, it. whatever defense you're going to play, you're bound by rules, like he said. Cover three, cover two, what have you. You have certain responsibilities that you have to get to in pass coverage. Well, if you're, if you're a superstar, if you're Earl Thomas, if you're Landon Collins, you may have a tendency to cheat because you're that good. Well, if you're cheating, Sean McVay is going to make you pay for it. He said that in New York. He said that just last week. He keeps saying it. If you're going to run that coverage, you're going to have to run that coverage. If you're a little late getting there... The ball won't be, and it, and chances are it'll be by you for a big play. So not only do you have to play it letter perfect, you you can't freelance at all on defense, which makes you a sitting duck, if you ask me, for the run game. Yeah, that process he calls so addicting, and I asked him on Monday night if he could ever envision himself giving up the play-calling duties, which he's so good at. What you love is, you know, the the, the play-calling is a collaboration of our offensive staff, you know, and, and I you know I don't think people realize, you know, how involved everybody is, whether that's Aaron Cromer, uh, whether it's Shane Waldron, Zach Taylor, Eric Yarber, Skip Pete, I mean, everybody is 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 uh, intricate part of our offensive game planning uh, and ultimately how we want to operate during the games. What you get so excited about is when you see your guys have success and they're having fun. Uh, we put so much in throughout the course of the week, especially on a short week. This is why you do it. What you love so much about football is is trying to help you know guys continue to grow and, and have success. And when you see that, you know that's part of what makes this job so much fun and uh, so addicting. And and you know I, that those are moments that you can never truly emulate in any other setting. And uh, you know you got to be able to enjoy it. And and there was a lot of moments where you get jacked up. And and I was happy for those guys. It's so funny. This offense is so good that he can make you forget about Todd Gurley, like as it's happening. And then all of a sudden he starts running, and it just puts more pressure on the defense. Now you've got to load the box to stop him, which opens everything else up. Classic McVeigh, name everyone yeah. else on his staff, but then concede, man, I really, really love this, and he's having the time of his life working with this offensive group. Let's switch sides and go defense next in segment three. We'll have an interview with John Franklin Myers to start. We'll also have four down territory and get the latest from Seattle. This is a week five edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Uh, welcome back to Rams All Access to Marco Far, JB Long. The Rams are 4-0 and at the quarter pole, getting set to make a trip to Seattle, the first of three straight road games. Obviously very productive offensively under the Thursday night lights against the Vikings, but when it came down to it in crunch time, the Vikings had the football and a chance to drive for the tying score. That was until John Franklin Myers came up with his first career sack. He stripped the football from Kirk Cousins, and the Rams clinched the victory. Earlier this week, I spoke with the Rams rookie about whether or not he was able to enjoy the weekend, a long one, after making that play. My agent got a chance to come down. Some family came down, and uh, you know, I got a chance to talk talk to him about things you know that I can improve on, and also you know how good of a play that was in, in a clutch moment. And my teammates helped me celebrate. Uh, speaking of those teammates, what's it like to be a part of this group, which has some Hall of Fame talent on it? Uh, it it's amazing because you know you get a chance to work with Sue and Aaron Donald and Brockers and Matt Long. You know, guys who who get a lot of uh, praise, but also you don't understand the type of people they are, you know, outside of football who, you know, let me come over. You know, they let me uh, watch film with them. Anything I need, I'm able to uh, call or text them, and they, they help me out. So 
you know, you see the football side of it and you don't really understand about, like, how good of people they really are. Yeah, well said. I'm curious, uh, coming from a small school environment, I'm always curious, like, what's it like to play under the lights at the Coliseum or this week go to Seattle, a place you've probably seen on TV but may not have experienced in person? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I'm used to playing in front of 12,000 people, and I thought that was, you know, a, a home run. So, you know, I, I go out to the Coliseum and I see them like, well, you know, this, this is real, you know, and then the lights, you know, we got to uh, play a night game. So, you know, that made it even more, you know, special to me. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, we appreciate the rookie's time in anticipation of week five at Seattle. And uh, the Rams needed that extra effort uh, around the edge, turning the corner on the left tackle, didn't they? Oh, too bad for him. Now we're going to expect it. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, nice play to end the game versus Minnesota. Now guess what? Do it again versus Seattle. Right. And the week after, and the week after. That's why you're here. Uh, four fourth quarter sacks, uh, two coming from Aaron Donald, the other from Indomitian and Sue. In crunch time, the Rams defense, which you know had a tough week and a short one against a very good offense, uh, really delivered. I'm intrigued by Sue playing inside and out. And, and he was recruited, so to speak, signed to play the nose and let Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald continue what they had done so well. But more and more, in two weeks in a row, we've seen him get on that right tackle at a rust edge position and come away with a powerful sack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's agile for a big man, and he is the nose tackle on rundowns. When when you have Aaron Donald out to his right or his left and Michael Brockers in a five technique. So rundowns, he's the nose. But when it's an obvious passing situation, Aaron Donald's going to get his choice of which side he wants to line up on. And then Indomitian Sue will pick next. And usually the next worst Pass blocker is going to be that right tackle. Well, why not put Sue there? Mm. Uh, he can power rush you. He can bull you back to the quarterback, or he's good enough with his hands to get around you like you just saw. So when there's pressure up the gut and then pressure coming around from that left side spot, there's really no place to flush for that quarterback. I mean, the flexibility that having Aaron Donald affords a defense is incredible because he's amazing in his own right. But if you were to take your typical nose and move him outside – on another roster, that means a second-level player is coming in right. to rush interior. Because Aaron is so good from guard to guard, he can fill that void and let Dominican get outside, and it still works in a 3-4. Yeah, the sack he made, Aaron Donald, when he uh, threw Kirk Cousins on the ground like a sack of onions, right, just slammed him on the ground. I wish I can tell you how hard that is as a three-technique to beat the slide, to where you have a guard that's cutting off your outside route to the quarterback. So he's making you come back into the A-gap, into the center, to where they have a vice. They have you pinched in there. Well, he beat the guard so quick that the guard could, that the center couldn't set up, mm-hmm. and then he pushes off that to knife his way in to make a play. So you're assigned two guys to stop Aaron Donald. Usually that stops people. Well, he split that faster than he does a one-on-one. I don't know what you do after that. If you're on offense, let's go to the next level of the defense in anticipation of Seattle this week. We're talking on Rams All Access here to Marco Farr and JB Long. Mark Barron targeted potentially to make his debut this week when they found out about his additional injury. I think they saw the first quarter of the season as an opportunity uh, to shut him down to make sure he was as close to 100% as possible before he debuted in 2018. If and when he does get on the field, what does Barron add? Speed. Speed and instincts, and I can't wait to see how they use him and where. Um, Rameek Wilson's been playing very good football, good to great football. Corey Littleton, I think, is on on his way to being a guy that you talk about with the, the better middle linebackers, at least in this division, possibly this conference, and soon the NFL. But I don't know who you bring off or pull off to put Mark Barron in. So well, that's may- kind of my question. Like, is it is it additive necessarily? Well, uh, we talked about speed, maybe. 
line him up outside and say rush. Okay, because I was going to ask, can the Rams get more from the edge? Like, is, is that their largest area for improvement, especially defensively, and now that we know that Dom Easley is done? Especially when you can tie up those two guys or three guys in the middle. And it does happen every now and then to where they max protect like Minnesota did. They brought the back in there. They had the tight end. They had five guys to block three. And if you can wad that up, well, somebody's going to have to win on the outside. Well, if you look at Seattle's defensive ends, they're about the size of Mark Barron. And those are four or three guys. Why couldn't Mark Barron line up out there and rush the passer? He's fast as anybody. Hmm. I think you can see that probably on game day. And then in the secondary, you know, I thought a lot about Sam Shields in anticipation of this contest because for the first time in a long time since the start of the 2016 season, he played a full game, played all the reps. Uh, now he gets a week of treatment, a long week at that, extra time to prepare for Russell Wilson in Seattle. If he does get the start, do you think he'll be much improved? I think so. I think he had a, I thought he had a real good game. I thought Adam Thielen and Diggs and Treadwell made plays. Kirk Cousins played out of his mind. So they made plays versus the Rams secondary, but I thought Coach McVay on the coaches show, I was just about to say it before he did. I thought Sam Shields had a chance for a pick six or two picks to finish the game with. He got mm-hmm. his hands on one, lucky bounce, they caught it. The other one, he undercut the route, was standing there waiting on the pass, and it got knocked down. If he catches that, like I think he would have, he's gone. There's nobody there. So that so-so game would have been a great game for him had he made those plays. Also had the opportunity to deploy Troy Hill. Should they choose, he had a fantastic game up in Seattle in Week 15 a, a year ago. I want to finish this segment with uh, a clip from Bleacher Report talking about the win over the Minnesota Vikings, and I want to get your reaction to it. Uh, the headline and then the supporting text was essentially that the Rams are not yet getting the return on their investment on defense. Quote, if the Thursday night performance of that new look defense in the win over the Vikings at the Coliseum is any indication, the Rams aren't getting the return on that investment they'd hoped this team will have to win games just as it did last year by blowing past opponents parenthetical with their offense agree or disagree disagree i mean you can look at the numbers and say you're not getting return on investment ask sam bradford ask Carr, ask cousins how good that defense is especially the guys you paid every quarterback has felt that rush now they may not get the sack but the pressure is there and it's constant I'll give you, for instance, Jaron Reed, when he played against Arizona, he beat uh, Mike Yapati for a sack. It was a great play, but for the most part, Yapati ate his lunch. 85% of the time, he won those one-on-one reps. With Donald and Sue, it's been the opposite. They've won 90% of the times. The ball's just coming out. When you hold it, they'll be there. Yeah, he, Aaron Donald, wreaked havoc on the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson last year. Looking forward to seeing 99 line up against the Seahawks this Sunday at CenturyLink and take on Russell Wilson. If they win, is the division all but clinched? That's one of the questions we'll tackle before we're done on this edition of Rams All Access. But coming up next, it's Four Down Territory on ESPN LA 710. Rams All Access continues with Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. And this week, our guest, Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks. Uh, Jen, obviously the big story coming off the win last week was the injury to Earl Thomas. And as we see it, the argument against trading Thomas was, you know, even if he was disgruntled, his performance this season and a potential comp pick if he walked was worth more than what the Seahawks would get by dealing him, which was reported to be about a second round pick. Now that he's injured, did this plan backfire on the Seahawks? Well, I don't think anybody won in this situation, and I, I think that you would see that on both sides of that one. I don't know that it backfired because you also have the uh, opportunity to set a precedent that you don't want to follow in the future. And so I, I think that nobody wanted to see it end this way for sure. 
in some ways, the silver lining is they were without him during training camp in the preseason, so at least they've got a solid backup plan in place. That's well said. What's the uh, Michael Kendricks fallout, especially as it pertains to who we might see at outside linebacker this week against the Rams? You know, you're probably going to see Austin Calitro, who's out of Villanova, in, uh, in place of Kendricks at weak side. And then you might see Shaquem Griffin, the guy that you've heard a lot about. He's been limited mainly to special teams the last couple of weeks, but he did make that start in week one. So you might have him in more passing downs. You might have Austin Calitro in there in first and second downs. Um, and then you're still looking to K.J. Wright to come back, but it's uh, you know not looking great that he'll be on the field Sunday. Okay, thanks for that update. Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, is our guest on 4-Down Territory. Let's talk about the running back situation. Any buyer's remorse, do you think, for the Seahawks taking a running back in the first round, given that Pete Carroll is on record saying you know Carson's going to be the guy this week, and Davis still deserves touches, too, after what he did against Arizona? You know, I don't know if there's buyer's remorse because when you came out of last year, you had so many guys touching the ball. The Seahawks had one rushing touchdown by a running back all of last year. I mean, they've already gotten three this year. So I don't think you can say buyer's remorse when you look at the draft being the time that it was before you had seen Chris Carson come back from injury and before you knew what Mike Davis could do on a consistent basis. I do think that it takes a while for most running backs to find their their lanes to run in in the NFL. And I think right now, if you're talking about getting back to Seahawks football and running the ball, you can't have too many running backs in that stable. You know, as difficult as it looks from the outside, I wonder, they're in the Pacific Northwest. Seattle's 2-2. Two and two. They've only played one home game. Is there still a belief that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in the 12s can get this franchise to the postseason? Yes. And I think you look at how well Pete Carroll handles change going back to his college days. You know, he's used to turning over teams every four or five years, and that's what he is good at coaching people up on. If the Seahawks were one and three right now, I think it would be a different feeling. But two and two, everything being even and knowing that you've got home games at the end of the season when you're going to get some guys back, when everybody's going to be clicking. And I think, quite honestly, to see the running game, even though I know they didn't win the way that fans thought they should have in Arizona, there still is some comfort in knowing that there is more to this playbook that they haven't seen yet and that there's more to this running game that they've seen in the last couple of years. Jen, really appreciate your insight. Thank you for taking some time out of your week, and we look forward to seeing you at CenturyLink this weekend. Sounds great. Bringing DeMarco Farr back in as we continue segment four of Rams All Access. Having watched a lot of the Seahawks and read their clippings this week, I can't decide, DeMarco, if it's not as bad as it looks at 2-2 and because they've only played one home game. Or if it's worse because they just lost a Hall of Famer and maybe their best player. Uh, I think they were on the way to improving offensively and defensively. When you look at what Pete Carroll wants to do, we talk about running the football. I think they're getting better there. If they can find a guy, right now it's by committee, but for the last two weeks, rushing yards have gone up and they're doing a better job of stopping the run. So they're building a Pete Carroll-led football team from that aspect, so... Um, can they make the postseason? Who knows? Uh, I think the division is pretty much in L.A. It's going to stay there for a while, but I mean, a wild card is out there. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past Pete Carroll. I mean, Sunday hasn't happened yet, so I hate to say this game is already in the bag, and they could beat the Rams. They're that good up there, but for the most part, when you look at it, and be objective about it. If they're going to make the playoffs, it's probably going to be out of a wild card. Are you at all curious how that locker room feels this week, having been... I don't think they necessarily felt they were flipped off by Earl Tom, Thomas, but like, what's that like? To, to lose that presence in your locker room going against the best team in the National Football League? You're going to have to coach your butt off if you beat Carroll. When you address the team every day, as a head coach should to, to begin the day, 
you're going to have to to mend some fences to 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 fix some bridges to your teammates because half the locker room is with him. I heard Bobby Wagner said it. If I were him, I'd be upset too. I mean, too. It's, the, it's the opposite of what yeah. the Rams did in Payne, Cooks, yeah. Gurley, Donald, Havenstein. It's the opposite. And it's the worst possible outcome. He got hurt, and he's upset. So it sends the wrong message. But it's not something you can't overcome if you're a dynamic head coach. I agree. No, I think coach, quarterback, mm-hmm. home field advantage, still good enough to compete in the NFC for a playoff spot. But they have to win this game to do it. You have to set the world on fire, and I mean, if you can somehow turn the Rams back and win up there and win convincingly, that would go a long way for Pete Carroll to winning back his locker room. It just seems from the outside, from where I stand, all corners of the NFL world this offseason, pundits were screaming, what are the Seahawks doing? Both of their coordinator changes were confusing at best, I think, have not necessarily paid early dividends. The net losses in free agency kind of signaled rebuilding mode. I mean, when Jimmy Graham, the red zone guy, leaves, when Paul Richardson, arguably their best receiver, leaves, when they put uh, Ed Dixon, uh, who they paid, at tight end, and he's unhappy with uh, the decision to keep him on the non-football injury list, which means he's not even able to play this week, it just didn't signal, hey, we're all in for 2018. We're going to take this torch back. It's it's kind of a mess right now, and I think – because you've won the Super Bowl and you've been so great, you can afford Pete Carroll some leeway to get through this. Maybe it says it'll get worse before it gets better, and at some point it will. And I think you can trust Pete Carroll that it will, but there have been some questionable decisions up there. And I've heard this before, that people maybe in the locker room have said that Russell Wilson might be a fraud. That's not the issue, if he's a fraud or if he's not. The problem is they bought into it hook, line, and sinker up there. He is their guy, and they're going to build everything around him. So... Win, lose, or draw, that's the choice they made. Yeah, they're invested in him. I'm not yeah. sure that they're still as invested in Pete Carroll, right? The oldest coach in the league who there was some question whether or not he would retire this offseason if they turn this around, if they upset the Rams and they put their season back on track. 100%, I can see that continuing. If they don't, if it goes the other way, he may not survive this season. No, usually these these endings are, are very painful and very embarrassing. Think of how... I guess the other regime for the Rams ended, and when that ended, when they pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, like, I think Pete Carroll is trying to hang on with his football team. If the Rams go up there and look like what the Rams have looked like in the first two quarters and it goes south, I bet so do the Seahawks. I bet it all starts to fall in, and then here comes a, a negative wave of bad press, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to envelop and just drown everybody. That's what happens in the NFL. You know, I just, even their draft, it's confusing the, the way it's played out through this first quarter. I mean, drafting a running back and a punter before an offensive lineman, and Russell Wilson is running for his life again, and Rashad Penny is not even your starter. He may not even be your number two. I mean, your starter went down last week on the road in Arizona, and you promoted your number three, Davis, to get number one reps over the guy you drafted in the first round. Yeah, That can't be a good sign. It's head-scratching. I think the lifeblood of that football team was that secondary, that defense, and Marshawn Lynch. And when that slowly started to die off, I think you're, you're seeing what's left over. And they're going to have to pick it up from here.
All right, segment five, final one coming up on this week five edition of Rams All Access. We'll go around the division and hear from Sean McVay one more time. We have a reason why. What does he mean by that with respect to the Los Angeles Rams? That's before we're done on ESPN LA 710. Back with to Marco Farr, J.B. Long. Rams All Access before a road trip to Seattle, the first of three away from Los Angeles. Quick update on our division picks standings. Uh, we both hit on last week, so I've got nine correct at the quarter poll. DeMarco has seven. Uh, the only other game besides the Rams and Seahawks would be the Cardinals at the 49ers. Uh, Josh Rosen starts on the road in San Francisco, where they are still looking for answers at quarterback after a loss down here against the Chargers. Who you got, uh, Arizona and San Francisco, before we pick up the rest? Do you have the guts to pick the Arizona Cardinals? Because I'm going to. Can I tell you? Yeah. I like Josh Rosen. Me too. A lot. Me too. I he's think we're be, seeing the same he's thing. He's going to be a problem yes, for years to come. Down the road. If he matures and grows like Jared Goff did, wow. And if he gets off to a better start in his rookie year than Jared Goff, what's he going to be in three years? I, I, I'm with you. I, I think this kid's going to be pretty good. So what I love about mentioning Rosen here, and I want to continue this thought, is the big one of the big question marks about him uh, going into the draft is like he's the kind of guy who wants to know why and asks why and and there's certain organizations where you don't want that you don't want a rookie quarterback coming in and questioning how and why you do things right in this segment i'm going to play a bite from sean mcveigh where he talks about understanding why is a pillar of the 2018 los angeles rams it's a competitive advantage the right staff and the right guy when they meet and it, it seldom happens. Sometimes you get the right guy with the wrong staff and it goes south. But the right guy and the right staff and the right mentality, good things happen. I'm going 49ers here. Are you with me or are you going Josh Rosen and the Cardinals? You know, I, I, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. For their first win on the road in San Francisco. I think they had Seattle beat. They had Seattle beat. If they could have hit that field goal, I think things are different for them. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Arizona Cardinals. Good for you. I don't don't dislike the pick, even though I'm sticking with San Francisco. By the way, the 49ers go to Green Bay before they host the Rams on the back end of this three-game stretch for L.A. All right, so DeMarco's on the Cardinals. I'm sticking with the 49ers. Um, Can I play that bite about McVay and and having a reason why since we brought it up? I mean, this was was one of my favorite all-time Sean McVay uh, sound bites from the Coaches Show on Monday. We have a reason for why, and that's kind of our checks and balances as a coaching staff, but I think it helps create an understanding of what we're trying to get done. And if they have an understanding for the intent of the play call or why we're running a certain concept versus a front in the run game or versus a a coverage in the pass game, I think they have a better idea of understanding how to execute the nuances within the framework of it if they know here's what the design and here's what we're hopeful to accomplish based on this. As a former defensive guy, does that strike fear in your heart to hear someone talking like that, knowing the personnel, that the skill they have and the mental capacity they have? I, yes, it makes you, like I guess, look at your own defensive staff and say, I hope you're in tune with this guy. I hope you can keep up with him because you know, when we're getting beat or they're moving the football, the one thing you can't say is we got to play harder. It's not that, coach. They're beating us at our own game. you got to give them something they're not ready for. Do you have that in the bag or not? If the answer is no, you're demoralized. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be a wrinkle. I'll tell you this, man. I've had so much fun. The first time you audited your first college class, remember what it felt like? Wow, this is the bigs. This is different than high school. Mm -hmm. When I see them make halftime adjustments, there's not a a lot of yelling and screaming, Gatorade table flipping over. They are going over stuff to make themselves better. This is what they're doing. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And move on. 
It's amazing to watch. We're short on time. I've saved this question for last. I want you to address it to the extent you're comfortable. It's absurd. I volunteer that. It's an absurd question. If the Rams win this week, is the NFC West over? Wow. Uh, no. I, 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 I want to say yes because three, of how well this team up, is. Three games up in the loss column on the rest of your division after five weeks. I wouldn't want to do that to the guys in the locker room because you still have to earn it each and every Sunday. And anything can happen. And knock on wood. You know what I mean. Yes. So, no. It's not locked up yet. Put it this way. If the Stars continue to play, if they can play 15, 16 games, I think you can end it right here. If you go into Seattle and you knock them down to three losses and you're undefeated after five, I just don't see the talent around the rest of the division. To catch up. I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's just everything in me says one game at a time. Okay. Yeah. No, no matter what happens, I'm skipping next week's show so that I don't have to answer to what I just laid down. So good luck. We'll see you in week seven. You Thanks know it, to man. Marco. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.